You know how there's some meetings, some instances in your life you'll never forget. About 15 years ago, I went out to lunch down the hill at Subway. And you've been to Subway before. It's a sandwich, right? You've probably been to the Subway down the hill there on Highway 2 as well. But I'm sitting there with a guy that I didn't really know, and within just a few minutes I thought, I love this guy. Just something about the way that he related to me. I don't remember a single thing he said to me that day, but I remember how he was with me that day. Kind, compassionate, wise, loving. And I thought, this guy is going to be my friend. And I'm so glad I've got a pastor brother like this in Nebraska. Fast forward a few years, we get together in a pastor's network where we've been meeting since 2008 now, at least once a quarter, with some other pastors from our Heartland Church network. Fast forward a few years along the way, his family, he has kids, he and his wife, and they're in sports and they come to Lincoln from Lexington where they're at, and they come to our house, they hang out. We get to be friends as families. My wife loves his wife. My kids love his kids. We're like family. The guy I'm talking about is my friend, Pastor John Shields. Now, John is just recently, I wouldn't say retired, but transitioned from being the pastor of 25 years at Parkview Baptist Church in Lexington to be the church health specialist for our Kansas-Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptist. So when I knew I was going to be out of town this week enjoying Colorado with my wonderful wife, I said, John, would you preach for me on July 4th? See, John and I have this amazing thing called friendship. We belong together. I don't know if he decided he loved me or I loved him or how that worked. But along the way, we became friends. And his wife and my wife and our family are friends. We belong together. That's one of our next steps here at Southview is belong together. Not just coming to worship service and saying, wow, this was great. I love the worship. I love the preaching. But taking the next step of going to a Sunday school class, joining a small group or a home group, inviting somebody over to your house or saying, hey, can we share lunch together? Maybe coffee? Belonging together. Like Pastor David talks about that Acts 2 says that as believers of Jesus, we should do together. It's a joy to belong together, and it's my joy to invite Pastor John to come preach to us today, and he's, he comes up. Let me just tell you, as far as our offering goes, thank you for your continued faithfulness and giving. You can give online through our website, southviewbaptist.org backslash giving. You'll find a couple ways there. Or you can give the old-fashioned way with a paper check, and there's an envelope on the side of our information counter there. Fill that out and drop that in there. We thank you for that. But let me lead us in prayer and pray for my brother John. God, our Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being your child. Thank you for the privilege of having a friend like John and his sweet wife, Julie. And knowing their love for you, their love for one another, their love for their kids and grandkids, their love for your church. And then after all those years, John would willingly follow your call to take a new role a role in which he can bless our church and every church in our Kansas-Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptist. So we pray, Father, that as he has studied and as he had prayed, that he would say the things that by your Spirit touch each and every one of us, that convince us to be more like Jesus, 
to take a step of faith, to be more loving in the way we relate to others. Whatever it is, Father, would we obey as John brings your word today. It's in his, your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. You bet. All right. Thank you, Aaron. You got my wife teared up over there. But we do love you guys very much. And uh, you, you need to know your, your pastor is a blessing. Um, we, we do love him and um, his family. And uh, that is a joy. If I could put an exclamation point on what Aaron said, something that I learned early on pastoring out in Lexington is uh, pastors need friends too. And um, there's so many that live these isolated, disconnected lives in ministry. And in years like COVID, um, when it gets exhausting for all of us, um, I've heard way too many pastors who are just at the end of their energy, at their sense of vision, um, at their ability to, to carry the burden that God's given them. And they need believers, church families like you, praying for them, encouraging them, um, being willing to be a friend to them as they go. And uh, I know you've been a blessing for Aaron, so thank you for that. We're excited for the kingdom impact that I've watched happen from a distance in your church family. Um, So thank you for being an example of a church that looks beyond itself, that looks to plant and support other ministries. And uh, I just want to affirm that and hope that that continues. This morning we're going to look at a short passage, a verse that you probably have heard before. Um, But I want us to take a closer look. I'm going to hit my timer so I uh, have some red alert flashes here, Aaron, and don't go too long for you. Um, If you've got a Bible, find Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to look at just the end of this together, a couple of verses, really three, verses 28 through 30 together. Before we look at it, I want to tell you a little bit about my story. I like sports, but I was never very good at sports. Really, music was my, my sport. Um, My mom was a piano teacher, so I never really remember a time I wasn't taking piano lessons. Um, Initially from her, and then she figured out after a while that wasn't going to work very well, so she found another teacher for me um, named Mrs. Cox. Uh, Mrs. Cox motivated me because she made everything a competition. That doesn't work for everybody, but for me it worked. Every lesson we got a grade on our lesson, and we had the same level and make us practice times. Um, every month she would get us together with other students kind of at the same level and make us compete with each other every month. Um, and then we would compete with other students across the state probably four or five times a year. Um, so that felt like a sport. Something I noticed as it went along, because I always wanted to win. Whatever winning was, if I could do that, that's what I wanted. I noticed at all these competitions, the students that won all shared the same couple of teachers every time. Now, at first, I'm stubborn, so I thought, well, I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to outwork them, and I'm going to be somebody who wins without studying with those teachers. Finally, I just surrendered. An opportunity came up um, for me because one was like a master teacher. He was in his 70s, moved into his 80s um, before I was done. And then his protege who taught at the college and didn't take very many students outside of the college. But I had an opportunity to study with her. And I remember the first couple of conversations when we met, it wasn't just like, oh, if you can afford me, you can study with me. It was an interview. 
John, tell me, what is it you like about music? Why piano? What do you like about piano, specifically? What is it you're hoping to become? Where do you want to go with this? What are your practice habits like? She was interviewing me, deciding whether I was going to be able to be one of her students or not. Then she laid out her expectations. She said, okay, I think I can help you, but if you study with me, you need to understand no competitions for a year because we're going to have to fix your technique. In fact, we're not even going to learn any songs for a year. You're just going to do exercises. Can you do that? What she wanted to know is, would I be willing to follow her? Would I trust what she was going to invest in me as a young musician? Well, after a couple of conversations, I trusted my life to Mrs. Lawler. And it was one of the more important decisions in my life. What was more important, it has nothing to do with piano. She was a follower of Christ. And she taught me more about following Christ than she did about music, though she taught me a lot about music. You say, well, why would you tell us this story? I want to tell you this because this morning in this passage, what I want us to look at, what I want us to think about is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it really look like? What are his expectations? What can we expect from Jesus when we connect ourselves to him, when we trust our lives to him? It's more than a moment. It's a relationship that lasts into eternity. So what can we expect? What should we expect? In the passage we look at today, it doesn't tell us everything because there's all of God's word, but it's one key passage of many passages that help us answer that question. What I want to invite you to do as we look at it together is to take a closer look at a couple of verses that you're already familiar with, but invite the Holy Spirit to touch your heart, to help you understand where you are and your following of Jesus and what your next steps might be. Because following Jesus is never about sitting still. It isn't about getting a ticket to an event that we treasure and we protect and try not to lose the ticket. It's about a life-transforming relationship where, like, I became a pupil of Mrs. Lawler and my life was transformed by the things that she taught. Our lives also should be transformed by following Jesus. So follow with me. Let's look at this passage together. We're going to read Matthew 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the part we love, isn't it? Because we all need rest, especially coming out of a COVID year. And normally the rest part is how we look at this passage, but I want us to see more. He says, take my yoke upon you. So two verbs he's telling us, to come to him and then to take his yoke on us. And then another one he says, and learn from me. And he tells us why. Learn from me, take my yoke on you, come to me. Why? Because I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. There's that word again. Then he explains one more time. He says, for my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. It's a beautiful passage, isn't it? It's worth memorizing. It's worth reflecting on. I want us to look right now at what does it mean to follow Jesus? The first three words give us the starting point. Come to me. Come to me. Jesus is giving us a focus, an invitation. He's calling us to move towards him. And then when he says, take my yoke on you, he's inviting us to attach ourselves to him. So the first thing I want you to see on your outline is this, that following Jesus means deciding that we want to stick with Jesus. It's deciding that we want to attach to him. That's important for all kinds of reasons. You don't have to live very long to find out that life on your own is exhausting. Life just with you. Life where you are the captain of your fate. Life where you're responsible to make it all happen. Life where you don't have teammates and mentors and coaches and friends. It will wear you out. I'm a guy who tends to be an introvert, and like when I first noticed that these other students were excelling in a way that I wasn't, sometimes our reaction can be stubborn. Sometimes our reaction can be, well, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to figure out how to get better. But when it comes to fulfillment in life, We can't, and we won't, because our sin has polluted us. We're already defective at the core, and while we have gifts and we have abilities, we don't have what we need to make life work. And Jesus says, listen, are are you worn out yet? Are you tired yet? Attach yourself to me. Come to me. I'll make it work. In fact, I'll make it work so well that you rest as you work. You'll find peace as you work. But the first step, we have to come to him. I want you to to think of some things that uh, you just can't do alone, that are exhausting alone. No one should pastor alone. No one should serve Jesus alone. If you're in a ministry here, you should find partners if you don't have some. No one should serve alone. You can't play baseball alone. You can't really move a refrigerator alone. And I know right away somebody said, yes, I can. Mine has wheels. I can pull it out. I can push it back. Move it up and down the stairs a couple times. Get it into a basement around a tricky corner. Take it out of your house and put it in somebody else's house. You can't do that alone. You can't face a terminal illness alone. You can't work through a deep grief alone. And Jesus says, let me help you. Come to me. The truth is, coming to Jesus means attaching ourselves to him. He deals with our core issue, which is sin. As worthy of a whole nother message, I'm just going to name it. It begins with Jesus forgiving our sin because of his cross that we sang about. 
I want to show you some yoke pictures. I, I think we've, we've got them. I was sad. There were two pictures I wanted you to see, but I don't know if you know how picture licensing works. There were pictures I had before. The license ran out. I went to get them, and they wanted $450 to get you a picture of an egg yolk and a cow squatting. So you're not going to see those. You're just going to imagine that. Um, you know, anyway, I'm not that cheap, but I'm kind of cheap. I wasn't going to do that. Let's get some yoke pictures up here if we got them. Yeah, this is a yoke. All right, so that, that's not a word that we tend to use, but a, a yoke, one ox is attached to another. And Jesus says, take my yoke on you. He's asking us to attach ourselves to him, to, to trust our lives to him. Now, being in a yoke can be problematic, so this is a journey. Let's go to the next one. These guys, he looks like he's thinking about a different direction. You ever think, wonder, when is the Christian life hard? When you and I are thinking about a different direction than where Jesus is trying to take us. That's when it's hard. When Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, I want you, even in these pictures, to imagine what does that mean? Let's look at the next one. Yeah, these, they're just outright fighting. You ever fight with Jesus? I did for five years as he began to call me into ministry, but I wanted to be a musician. But God, why would you give me this gift if you want me to do that? I'd say, okay, Jesus, I'll do what you want. And six months later, no, no, I think I want to do this. That was me for too long. Sometimes that's you, isn't it? To be yoked to Jesus. It begins with being attached, but once we're attached, you, you need to understand the truth that you're going to struggle a little bit learning to be in alignment with. That's the discipleship. That's the growth. I think we got one more. Yeah, there we go. Sometimes we just flat do that. <laughs> you're attached to Jesus. And you say, I, I, no, I think I'm done. I'm going to take a break. COVID revealed that too. I know at Parkview we talked about COVID was revealing. We find out who just sat down and said, I'm, I'm just going to be done for a while. And, uh, and I, I hope that wasn't you, but if it was, we love you and we want you to, to stay yoked to Jesus and get up and live in alignment with him. So the next three th things we're going to look at, talk about how do we do that. But the, the first gut check is, have I really trusted my life to Jesus? If the answer is yes, here's where we go next. You need to decide if you're ready to learn from Jesus. He says, come to me. And then he says, learn from me. Learn from me. It's three words. We don't need a whole chapter. We don't need a whole book. And yet, we do, don't we? Why do we have Sunday school? Why do we have small groups? Why do we encourage each other to read God's word because Jesus said learn from me following Jesus means there are things he wants to show us that we don't yet understand there are habits he wants to give us that we can't yet do when Mrs. Lawler at my first lesson said okay I want you to stand over there and just let your arms hang so well this is weird I thought we were playing piano well we are but you've got to learn to be aware of how your arms feel. And you've got to learn what it feels like to be relaxed 
and to be engaged. And so you're just going to stand and let your arms hang and swing. And I want you to notice what that's like. She wanted me to learn something. And there are things Jesus will ask you and ask me sometimes that would think, well, why should I turn the other cheek? Why should I go the extra mile? Why should I love my enemy? Why should I give generously? Why? There's going to be something. I don't know what it will be, but Jesus wants you to learn something and you're going to hesitate for a minute. And I want you, when that happens, to remember this verse. Jesus said, take my yoke on you and then learn. How do we stay in sync with Jesus when we're yoked to him? Not going another direction, not locking horns with Jesus. We have to have hearts that are ready to learn. I had to say to Mrs. Lawler, okay, you teach, I learn. That's what following Jesus means. He teaches, we learn. One of the challenges I I see in our, our world now, I'm sure you see it too, there are many religious people who are rewriting Jesus. And they're rewriting Jesus to match what they already want him to be so that they don't have to learn what he wants them to become. Well, when you do that, Jesus serves you. You don't serve him. You become the King of kings and Lord of lords and remake him in your image where all of Scripture is about Jesus remaking us in God's image. But for that to happen, we have to learn. A great teacher is a blessing if you are a willing student. So the, the gut check for you and I in this is, am I a willing student of Jesus? Do I look forward to lessons? Do I look forward to what he's going to ask next? Do I look forward to how he's going to challenge me next? I remember going into one competition one year where you know I, I was hyped up. I thought, this is one that I, I should be able to excel. It's time for a breakthrough And Mrs. Lawler could sense that my attitude was a little bit more driven and unhealthy than it needed to be. And she said, okay. Um, She stopped the lesson halfway through. She said, John, we're not going to finish. Your music is fine, um, but your heart isn't. I I want you to go to the beach, because I grew up where I could be at the beach in five minutes. I want you to go to the beach, and I want you to take the book of Philippians, and I want you to just sit there and read it and reflect, and I don't want you to practice for a week. And, you know, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the competition right now. But that doesn't make sense. Something that she saw that I wasn't seeing. Jesus wants to do that to us. Sometimes we're so certain we know what he wants, we can see it, we think if now's the time to sprint, not the time to sit. Jesus is saying, come to me and and take the yoke on me because he wants us to engage his work and he wants to teach us. And once we think we know, okay, Jesus, I got it now, I'm ready. And still he wants us to stay teachable. The truth is coming to Jesus means committing to his training. So the gut check for you and I always is we follow Jesus. When we get stressed, when we get wound up when we think we have to press for something is to take a deep breath and and ask gut check in our own heart do i have that humble place that philippians 2 talks about am i really 
following Jesus right now? Am I staying teachable? What is it he's trying to tell me in this moment, in this challenge? Am I ready to learn? Trusting his bigger picture. Ask yourself, where is your life really changing right now because you're following Jesus? Following him is about change. What is it he's asking of you? Where is he asking you to wait? Where is he asking you to press? What step is he asking you to lean into? Which part of your character is he leaning on? Which part of your habits is he trying to transform? Following Jesus isn't a moment that guarantees eternity. It's a moment that begins eternity and his transforming work never stops until that moment it says we see him face to face and we become like he is there's a final acceleration but he does it until then we're still in school we're still learning the third thing i want you to see is this we need to decide to let jesus lead that sounds so simple but it goes so against our sinful nature The heart of our sinful nature is, I want to lead. I want to lead. Do you remember being a kid and having this thought, or maybe you had kids and you heard them say, man, I can't wait till I'm a parent because then I get to do everything I want. Clue, they don't understand yet. (laughs) But that's that's in our heart from early on. I want to be in charge. I want to be the big dog. I, I want to make the decisions. I want to have it my way. But, but listen, in our immaturity, what we don't understand is the burden and privilege of decision-making is exhausting. You realize that later when you're thinking, wow, should I go to college, vocational school? Get a, what should I do? I don't want to make the wrong decision. Should I date this person, not date this person? Should I marry this person, not marry this person? You start to realize every decision is an opportunity and it's a burden. If I do it wrong, then what? What price comes with it? Jesus is saying, take my yoke on you now and learn from me. And here's the key. In a yoke, there's usually a lead ox. And they both can't be the lead ox. When we're yoked to Jesus, we shouldn't have to think very long who the lead ox is. But we do. When we let Jesus lead, that means a couple of things. This is what helps me. That means he sets the direction and he sets the pace. And we can struggle over both of those areas. When we went to Lexington, um, we grew up in Florida, on the west coast of Florida. Um, We had interned at a church back in our hometown on the west coast of Florida. Their pastor was getting ready to retire after 25 years. I knew the church. I knew the people. They liked us. Um, We thought this is a no-brainer. This is where God is calling us to go. It's obvious, right? Because I know. And when we were headed to DFW to get on an airplane to fly for a second interview, we got a letter from this little church in Nebraska. I had to check the map to see where it was. 
And I thought, you know, we don't need this. And I dropped it in the trash. Because we're going to Florida. And Julie picks it out of the trash and says, you know, we came to seminary. We told God we'd be willing to go anywhere. And I didn't see you pray much about this. So I threw it in a backpack and we went to Florida for a second interview. And that was the beginning of God showing us what he wanted that was different than what we thought. We had to keep our ears open to listen to his lead. Following Jesus means never assuming that you know, especially if you have not been listening to Jesus that week or that day or that moment. Following these were like, you know, the, the grunt work. Anyone start with grunt jobs? And you work and someone says, hey, go get this and bring it over here. Go clean those brushes out. Go scrape that corner. You know, whatever that is. And you think, okay, yeah, I'll do it. You know what your role is. With Jesus, we're more than that. We're beloved children, but we always have to follow his lead. Jesus, what do you want next? What do you want next? What do you want next? We stay on track with him both in direction and pace. The truth is coming to Jesus means letting him set the pace and direction. When we're struggling with our walk, for me, often, it's because I think I know what the destination is. I have to let my heart rest and remember that I'm attached to him and he's leading and he knows. And I got to trust his pace. Our gut check, where do we follow, resist, or ignore Jesus' leadership in our life? And sometimes we can't answer that until we ask the Holy Spirit to show us. God, all I know is I don't have peace right now, so show me what's happening in my heart. Is there somewhere I'm resisting you? Is there something you're telling me that I'm not hearing? Is there something you've told me that I'm not ignoring because... I want to lead. Lord, help me hear you so I can follow you. Last one, we need to decide that we're willing to embrace Jesus' mission. Take my yoke on you. There's an implied thing with a yoke. Why would you put a yoke on? Because it's time to work. It's time to plow the field. It's time to cultivate that's why you put a yoke on. Jesus said to his first followers, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. I love that translation of Mark 1.16 because it implies progress and deepening, not perfection, but he transforms us to become something, to become his workers. Taking Jesus' yoke implies that I'm also apprenticing in Jesus' work. That's what a disciple is. A disciple attaches to a master, learns from the master, follows the master, and embraces the master's work. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Meaningless work is exhausting and frustrating, isn't it? 
Sometimes we lose our way in life, even when we're successful by the world standards, because by eternity standards, we eventually realize our work is meaningless. We're in a season of watching NFL contracts and soon NBA contracts being written, and I always wonder, you know, maybe you know, I don't, how much does your lifestyle change between making 50 million and making 100 million? I mean, does that impact your lifestyle? I don't know. I would think it doesn't, but maybe it does. Somebody could help me with that afterwards. There's things that we chase that we think have meaning. And I, I think the Lord allows us to hit these walls in our spiritual life to realize, wow, that doesn't have the meaning I thought it would have. Our meaning as followers of Christ is embracing his word. This is how Paul can say in Corinthians, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. That's what gives meaning. You're meant to be a fisher of men. Whether you're in retail, construction, business, sports, whatever it is, God places you there to fish for people, to embrace his word. The truth is coming to Jesus means becoming part of his work. You and I have to ask every day, whose mission is it that takes priority in my life? Well, I'll follow Jesus after I get a new job. I'll follow Jesus after the wedding. I'll follow Jesus after I get through school. I'll follow Jesus after. And that isn't Jesus' invitation. His invitation is come to me right now. If you see me, if you hear me, come to me now. Learn from me now. Yoke yourself to me now. Which means following his lead and embracing his work. Our part is just making the decision, are we going to? And then with the pictures, I hope some of those stick in your mind. After we've yoked ourselves to Jesus, understand it's still possible to lock horns with him or pull a different direction or just flat sit down. But he knows and he's gracious and he loves us and his invitation is still there. Hey, come on, get up. Follow me, follow me, follow me. So I just want to leave you with that this morning. Are you following Jesus? I have to ask that first. Because Jesus, the great teacher, shares a frightening teaching where he says there will be who thought they were following Jesus who discovered that they weren't. And he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. I have to name that because what I'm inviting you to, and I know what Aaron invites you to, is not religion or ritual, but it's an actual relationship with Jesus. So as we close, I, I want you to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to show you are you following Jesus? Have you trusted your life to him? 
knowing you can't save yourself, you can't lead yourself, you can't fix yourself. Only Jesus can do that. Have you come to him and attached yourself to Jesus in faith that he's the Son of God who alone can forgive your sin and save you? If you have, then instead ask the Holy Spirit to show you how well am I following and what's my next step? Do I need to become a better learner? Do I need to let you lead instead of being my co-pilot, let you lead? Or is it time for me to embrace your work in a way that I've been resisting? I'm just going to be quiet. I want to give you 30 seconds. Maybe 60. I don't know. Just close your eyes where you're at and you ask Jesus, are you following me? And what's your next step? Then I'll close this time in prayer. And if you need to trust Jesus as your Savior, I want to lead in a simple prayer to help you do that. Right now you pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your mercy. Most of all for your cross. Lord, I pray that you'll help each one of us to keep our hearts teachable and listening to you. Lord, help us be lifelong learners. Help us to recognize and embrace your leadership. Lord, teach us the joy of doing your work above all other work. Doing your work through our human work. Lord, and for those who have not been your followers but are ready this morning, Lord, I pray that your spirit will provoke their hearts to trust themselves to you. If that's you and and you want to trust your life to Jesus, to yoke yourself to him, I invite you to pray with me something like this. It's not the words that are magic, but it's the, the reality, the intention of your heart. Pray something like this. Dear Jesus, Please forgive me for trying to make life work without you. I do believe that you are God's son who sacrificed for my sins and rose from the grave. So today I want to respond to your invitation. I want to come to you trusting you as my Savior. Will you forgive my sins? Will you teach me to follow you? In Jesus' name, amen.